0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick show. Unfortunately, without Chris, it's Nick Bellotto here to bring you this quick review of the Baltimore Ravens against the New York Giants. The 3-2 Baltimore Ravens coming off of a close 19-17 win over the Cincinnati Bengals, they will be traveling to MetLife Stadium to square up against the 4-1 and New York Giants. Baby, it sounds good. It rolls off the tongue well. And those Giants are fresh off of a 27-22 win over the Green Bay Packers, where the Giants' defense and their offense's ability to extend drives sand Saquon Barkley on the 15-play 91-yard drive Tell Aaron Rodgers' offense scoreless in the second half. Was it because they were in London? Was it the fish and chips? Or are these New York Giants real? I believe these New York Giants are real. and That doesn't necessarily mean they will win this game. I don't think anything is a shoo-in. Nor do I think any team in the NFL should look at the Giants and say, oh, that's an easy win because this giants team is wildly feisty and they're very well coached and they might not have all the talent in the world right now. And hopefully that will just grow under the leadership of Joe Shane and Brian Dable as drafts come and new free agents are cycled in. But right now this team plays incredibly hard for this coaching staff and they're very well prepared for their opponents. And when they're first Hook does not land if we're going to use a boxing reference. They have an uppercut coming because of the adjustments that this coaching staff makes to optimize the personnel that is on the football field and to take advantage of what the defense is doing or what the offense is doing. That's one of my biggest takeaways through five games so far is the fact that Mike Kafka, Brian Dable on the offensive side and then Wink Martindale on the defensive side make constant adjustments to take advantage of whatever the opponent is trying to do. They are living to their word. When this coaching staff came in, ladies and gentlemen, they talked about dictating to their opponent. Wink Martindale specifically said that. He also talks about pressure breaks pipes, and he does that, but he's not overly reckless about it. He picks his spots, at least he did against the Green Bay Packers. He ran a bunch of cover zero, but it was always when it was in the red zone, right? Really dictate to Rodgers then before the Packers got in the red zone, it was a lot more quarters, a lot more cover six. Hey, invite the rushing attack. Let them run the football. Let them take those little flat bubble screens. Let them hit the flats for three, four yards here. We'll play top down. And then when we get in the red zone, we're going to dictate to you. And the Giants ultimately won that chess match. But you constantly see this on the offensive side of the football as well. The way Kafka is sequencing his plays, showing a look that, was used on a previous drive and then running something different off of it to take advantage of tendencies, defensive players' tendencies, and the formation that that defense ends up rolling out. Not to mention the varied rushing attack, led by Saquon Barkley, called by Mike Kafka, running weak side, strong side, unbalanced sets, using jet motion, using end arounds, just using everything in the toolbox to just maximize what this team can do on the football field because they are squeezing every last ounce of moisture out of this proverbial lemon. And they're finding ways to win with their wide receiver position without Kenny Galladay, who seems washed at this point. With no Kadarius Toney, with no Wondell Robinson, with no Colin Johnson. They're down to their fifth string wide receiver at this point. And you're playing Marcus Johnson the most of any other wide receivers. And he was on the practice squad not long ago. Darius Slayton stepped up. It's great to see. And I think... Thinking about the Giants' wide receiver situation, you can kind of parallel it with the Ravens. And honestly, there are a lot of parallels between the Baltimore Ravens right now and the New York Giants. For starters, one of the biggest storylines going into this game is Wink Martindale versus the understudy, the pupil, the protege, if you will, Mike McDonald, who was his linebacker coach for three seasons in Baltimore. And then in 2021, he was at Michigan, with Aiden Hutchinson, with David Ajabo, took over for the great Don Brown, and now he's back in Baltimore as a defensive coordinator going through some film. It looks like there are some holes on that defense, specifically guarding intermediate crossing routes, something that we know Brian Dable, and Mike Kafka love to use. But other parallels between the Ravens and the Giants, both mobile quarterbacks who can seriously punish defenses if they are undisciplined because we see – how Kafka calls this offense. So much play-action boot, some play-action. Last two weeks, not a lot of traditional pass sets. I think they have like 12 traditional pass sets, maybe 13 in the last two weeks. That, is that sustainable? I think that's a fair question. But right now, no one is stopping Daniel Jones and his ability to roll out to his right, roll out to his left, keep his eyes downfield, stay calm, use his legs if there are three, four, five yards, sometimes even more than that. And I feel like Jones is being very judicious in those types of situations. And Daniel Jones is not Lamar Jackson. Let's be really fair there. Lamar is a former MVP who threw 36 touchdowns in the 2019 season. Those two are not comparable whatsoever. But the way the defenses have to play them That is comparable. More specifically to Daniel Jones, because Daniel Jones hasn't shown the ability to attack vertically like Lamar Jackson has done in the past. Albeit, Lamar struggled mightily last week attacking vertical against the Cincinnati Bengals, and that was because of pressure. And Lamar, through five weeks, has been one of the most efficient, I think it is the most efficient, even after this fifth week where he struggled a little bit, passer against the Blitz. So that's something that kind of does not jive with what Wink Martindale wants to do, but if you watch the Sunday night football game, Sam Hubbard, Logan Wilson on some of those blitzes, Trey Hendrickson, B.J. Hill, they were all getting into the face of Lamar Jackson, and Lamar Jackson airmailed Devin DuVernay on a deep post that would have went for a touchdown. He missed Tylan Wallace on that same drive, the first drive of the second half on a wide open touchdown as well. And he also had another deep miss. So if the Giants do decide to ratchet up the pressure a little bit, they might be able to take advantage of that inconsistency that showed up last week. But before last week, he was really efficient against the blitz. So that's going to be something that's interesting to monitor. And also, something that might be working against Lamar Jackson, and this also plays into the Giants. It's just another parallel. Both these teams are just injured at the wide receiver position. The Giants are more injured, but losing Rashad Bateman after trading Hollywood Brown is not good for the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm a big fan of Devin DuVernay, and I think you're going to see him a little bit more in the backfield as a running back, like we saw a little bit against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's definitely something to pay attention to. I think he's very dangerous and very explosive, and the Giants need to have his name circled. However... Rashad Bateman more than likely is not playing in this game. So you have Devin DuVernay, you have James Prochet, you have Demarcus Robinson, who was with the Chiefs a couple years ago and then was with the Raiders for like a cup of coffee before ending up on the Ravens practice squad. And now he got brought up and it seems like he is a part of their 11 personnel package that the Baltimore Ravens run like literally 15% of the time. That's how much the Ravens are in 11 personnel. So expect heavy personnel here expect a lot of 21 personnel with Patrick Ricard who is 300 pounds which is insane to think about and a lot of multiple tight end sets with Josh Oliver and Mark Andrews as well as Isaiah Likely in more passing type of situations because Likely isn't as much of an asset as a blocker as someone like Josh Oliver is at this point of their careers but maybe the fact that Lamar Jackson does not have Rashad Bateman is a reason why they have struggled at least last week, connecting on the deep ball and just overall passing against pressure. Because we know Rashad Bateman, second-year guy out of Minnesota, is an exceptional route runner and wide receiver. Looks like the Giants could benefit from him not being there. And I'm also curious to see the workload with J.K. Dobbins, who has now been back for two games, coming off of a pretty gruesome knee injury that took him over a year to come back from. And I don't know how much this will play into it, but we know around the... NFL right now, Medlife Stadium doesn't exactly have the best reputation in terms of players getting injured. I don't know if that's going to make the Ravens a little bit more hesitant to give J.K. Dobbins a bigger workload, especially since he is still kind of getting ingratiated back into the offense. We saw last week Kenyon Drake handle a lot of those fourth quarter snaps, so that's something I'm a little bit interested to see heading into this game, and another reason why I think because Justice Hill is also coming back from injury. He might play in this game. But if Justice Hill is not there. And even if he is, you might see Devin DuVernay more in the back who, in the backfield, who is a wide receiver. I think that's plausible, and we saw a little bit of it, like I said a little earlier, last week. But to circle back a little bit to Wink Martindale, who was the Ravens' defensive coordinator since 2018, was one of the most effective defensive coordinators for the Baltimore Ravens, maximized the personnel there, and also blitzed his backside off because that's what Wink Martindale wants to do. And that's not necessarily the philosophy of Mike McDonald, the current defensive coordinator. Martindale, last season, despite the fact that he had so many injuries on the back end, still blitzed at the sixth highest rate in the National Football League. And it didn't necessarily work out for him. And even though John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Ravens, and Don Wink Martindale left on good terms, seemed very amicable, he still ended up leaving after last year. But so far, through five games, the current Ravens, they're not nearly as aggressive as they were under Martindale. They rank 21st in blitz rate while ranking 27th in pressure rate. And they have some really interesting pieces up front. Now, they just signed Jason Pierre-Paul two weeks ago, and he had a pretty solid game on Sunday Night Football. And Adafe Owe is one of the most athletic and dangerous young outside linebackers in the NFL. And I'm concerned about his ability to contain Daniel Jones on the play-action rollouts because he's going to be disciplined and he has all the length in the world and he's very explosive. You know JPP might not be as explosive, but he has the length, he has the processing and the discipline as well. And I don't think the Giants are going to fool the Ravens like they did the Chicago Bears and like they did the Green Bay Packers with the play-action rollout. I think the Ravens will be a little bit more disciplined. So I'm curious to see how Kafka adjusts his offense if that is the case. I think they will probably hand the football off a little bit more if that backside pursuit defender consistently stays with Daniel Jones. And I also think that we'll try and attempt to use that defender, maybe as a read defender and work the RPO game, something that they have done. They've done the RPO with his own read with the bubble that Daniel Jones never looks at, and then he goes, to, whenever he keeps the football, has Daniel Bellinger running down the flat with David Sills, or hopefully it's Marcus Johnson or Darius Slayton, kind of running a seven route and just high-lowing the flat defender and giving the quarterback three options. He could either throw the seven, he could take the flat, or he could just take the football himself. He's thrown the flat, he's taken the football himself, and he's handed the football off to Saquon Barkley, so technically you could say four options, but he has thrown the seven, and he hasn't thrown the bubble off those plays, but we've seen those plays consistently since week two in every single game, and they've worked. So I think you'll see maybe a little bit more of that if the play-action rollout game starts to get stopped. And I think getting that play-action rollout game going is huge because the Ravens have been terrible so far covering the intermediate parts of the field on crossing routes. They run a lot of match principles, and they are not matching, and they are not passing receivers off well. At all, There's a lot of miscommunication. There's a lot of the linebackers not knowing exactly where they need to be from a depth standpoint. And I think when you bring off the play action rollout wide receivers or tight ends crossing the face or going behind linebackers who are initially paying attention to the play action element part of the play, you can really take advantage of of a defense's ability to not be on the same page and their lack of ability to communicate. And Marcus Williams is injured. They're starting safety. And Geno Stone will presumably be the player who can fill in. I think Geno Stone, from everything that I see, is a pretty damn good player, so it's not that big of a a drop-off, but still, less continuity theoretically means there could be more mistakes for a team that was carved up by the New England Patriots in that area of the field, the intermediate crossing routes. Carved up by the Miami Dolphins, where Tua Tungabayaloa threw for 469 yards in that football game. I mean, Jalen Waddle run a stick route from a 3-by-1 set, and he absolutely just blew by. Patrick Queen and Patrick Queen just looked embarrassing on that play Patrick Queen yeah he's a linebacker but he's a very athletic linebacker and it seems to me it was a first round pick he was selected over Xavier McKinney and it seems to me like that might have been a mistake Patrick Queen from everything that I can collect from what I've seen and from the people that I know who cover the Ravens seemingly is never in position in terms of his coverage ability so it's almost like he has wasted athletic ability at that point if it's not being maximized by the defense because he doesn't know where the heck to be and I think another major aspect about this game that isn't analogous when juxtaposing these two teams in 2022 are the team's second half performances. Baltimore surrendered a week two 35-21 lead in Miami and lost forty-two to thirty-eight. They were also up twenty to three in week four against Buffalo and lost twenty-three to twenty. The Ravens defense has struggled in the second half. Conversely, if we look at it, the Giants are a second-half team with arduous comebacks against Tennessee and Green Bay. So when you think about it in that manner, the Ravens could realistically get off to a hot start like they've been prone to do in 2022. The Giants have kind of allowed teams to get off to a hot start. They make halftime adjustments. They come out with a different game plan, and then they stifle the offense while sparking their own offense. And they've done this against the number one seed in the AFC last year in the Tennessee Titans, and the number one seed in the NFC last year in the Green Bay Packers. When you think about it, too, ESPN right now, they have the Ravens on the road with a 64.9% chance to win. And Vegas has the Ravens as a 5.5-point favorite. Now, on the site, Big Blue View, I picked the Ravens to win this football game. I do believe that the Giants are legit team. I think the coaching makes them legit. I think the personnel has some serious holes. I do believe that Aaron Rodgers left a lot of plays on the football field. He missed, I would say, maybe three or four receivers who had one deep. It seems like the Giants may have a Dory Jackson back, may have Leonard Williams back. I think that will significantly help them. I don't think it's a certainty by any stretch of the imagination that, the Ravens will win this football game. I think it could come down to a lucky bounce here or there. This will be a down-to-the-wire type of game. So I ended up picking the Ravens, but I do it, and I I don't even feel overly comfortable about it, and that's just a testament to what this team is doing right now, the New York Giants, that is, how competitive they are, how well-coached they are at this point. And Baltimore, I think the way you defeat this Baltimore Ravens team is by passing the football. And if the rollout game is eliminated, can Daniel Jones defeat the Ravens with the likes of David Sills and Richie James and Darius Slayton and Marcus Johnson? And I think that's going to be a big question. And Daniel Jones, man, he has played fantastically the last three weeks, and he deserves all the credit in the world. There's still people trying to take things away from him, and I get it. The offense, it's... It's predicated on maximizing his strengths. That's how offenses should be built. You want to put your players in a position to have success. I don't think there's really anything wrong with that. But do we want to see Daniel Jones go through full field progression to go into a traditional drop-back type of offense and punish teams that way? Yeah, I think you would want that. But at the same time, we saw in week three against the Dallas Cowboys, we saw what it was like when Daniel Jones tried to drop back. It wasn't pretty. And it wasn't Daniel Jones' fault at all. It was the offensive line. Other than Andrew Thomas, you got four guys on the offensive line who are struggling in pass protection. You're going up against a Baltimore Ravens team who aren't just good at rushing the passer. Now the stats don't bear it out but you got long and explosive players. I think Calais Campbell in the middle against John Feliciano and Mark Lewinsky, that could be troublesome if they decided to run an offense out there that had more traditional pass sets. A to against Evan Neal is not something that I want to see. I really don't. I like Evan Neal. I think Evan Neal is a good football player, or he can be a good football player, but he's struggling right now. He's working at it, and I think he still has a high floor, but I think gonna take a little bit to get to that floor, and the way he's struggling, it's it's a little bit different than the way Andrew Thomas was struggling back in, when in 2020 when Andrew Thomas had his rookie season struggles. But I I'm, I still remain optimistic about Evan Neal. But as of right now, in Week Six, 2022, I don't necessarily think he is quite up to speed enough to stop a pass rusher like Adafe Owe if Mike McDonald wants to align him on the left side of the defense. And so far this season. He's kind of playing a little bit out of position because Tyus Bowser is still coming back from injury. Like Adafeo is the Sam linebacker. So he's going to rush a little bit, but he's not that predominant rush type of linebacker that you would probably want him to be if you're the defensive play caller. He's a jack of all trades in the sense that he's athletic enough to drop into coverage, but is that the best way to utilize his skill set? I'm not so certain, but I just think the current personnel, the Baltimore Ravens defense, forces him to play Sam, which is which was a huge part of what Wink Martindale did in Baltimore. It's a big part of what Wink Martindale does now. You always see these end men on the line of scrimmage dropping off into coverage after sailing like they're going to blitz. One big reason why Jalen Smith ended up sinking underneath the number two. receiver, forcing Aaron Rodgers to double clutch and then eventually throw the football into Kayvon Thibodeau's shoulder pad. That was a huge adjustment by Wink Martindale. That's something that he does a lot on a lot of different types of blitzes. He loves to do that. He'll sink them to the curl flat. He'll sink them to the middle hook. He'll try to rob backside number three wide receivers when they come over the middle of the field. There's just a lot of creativity with how Wink Martindale employs that. I didn't necessarily see that From McDonald from the film that I've witnessed about the Baltimore Ravens so far. So stylistically, these two are a little bit different and Wink Martindale is much more aggressive. But just like last year, beating the Ravens through the pass is the way to beat them and they're a little bit more sound against the run. Baltimore ranks twelfth in terms of yards allowed this season against the run, and the Giants rank twenty sixth. The Giants Surrender 131.6 rushing yards per game, containing Lamar Jackson. That could be a little bit scary for the Giants' linebackers. They're the edges for the New York Giants have to be very, very disciplined. And sometimes you're going to see them pass rush and not attempt to use a counter move inside, and all they're going to do is try to set the pocket high to force Lamar Jackson to not beat them by going around them. That's something that you might see from Kayvon Thibodeau, O'Shane Zimenez, Aziz Ojalari if he ends up playing in this game. Vacations
0: can be
1: And then you're going to have to rely on Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams to get that interior pressure. But the Giants defenders, they're going to be on high alert to not allow Lamar Jackson to beat them with their legs. They're going to use a lot of quarterback spies. That's going to put a lot of pressure on some of these safeties. The Giants do decide to go into lighter personnel, which we could talk about in a bit. Or the linebackers, Jalen Smith preferably, or Tay Crowder. That's going to be one of the primary Methods that the Giants, if the Giants are going to win this game, they have to contain Lamar Jackson and his ability to extend plays. But one thing that I'm thinking about in this matchup that could be a difference maker for the Baltimore Ravens, who allow only 108 rushing yards, their defense, but we're talking a little bit about their offense right now, is how big their personnel is on offense and how they employ said personnel. Patrick Ricard, the fullback, talked about how they like to use 21 personnel. Patrick Ricard is 305 pounds. 305-pound fullback. We know Wink Martindale. I think his ideal personnel package, and I think it would always be game script dependent, opponent dependent, what have you. But I think his ideal personnel package probably has three safeties, right? I don't think he necessarily wants to roll out a lot of linebackers. I think you have Jalen Smith, who has been a find so far through two games. He really has. Tay Crowder, I feel like he's playing better than what we saw in previous years, but he's still not always where he needs to be. But I don't know if you can realistically roll a lot of 3-4 safety looks when the Ravens decide to go in 12 or 21 personnel because there's a lot of big guys out there. And Ronnie Stanley, I'm not 100% certain how many snaps he's going to end up playing. He's getting ingratiated back into the lineup, similar to J.K. Dobbins. Did not play a full complement to snaps last week. Patrick McCary ended up playing a lot of those snaps, and he is a significant downgrade from Ronnie Stanley. So Ronnie Stanley and J.K. Dobbins, a little bit of a question mark on how many snaps they'll play. But, man, you got guys like Patrick Ricard, you got big tight ends who know how to block. Mark Andrews is an okay blocker. Josh Oliver. Nick Boyle, he is coming back from injury, used to be an elite blocker, not quite there yet. If Daniel Filele gets out there, who has been playing and he hasn't been excellent, but he is 380 pounds. 380 pounds blocking on the edge. So these edge rushers and these contained defenders and these alley defenders, whenever the Ravens end up running power, which they run a lot. They run a lot of counter. They'll run quarterback counter where they pull backside guard. They'll pull the center sometimes. They'll pull the backside tackle sometimes. They'll pull the play side guard sometimes. They love to pull and run a lot of power. Block down, pull guys into space. So what the Giants struggled with a little bit of, with the Dallas Cowboys, specifically with tight ends and wide receivers blocking down, kicking the play side tackle into space, albeit I'll say this, the Giants really contained that well last week and against Chicago. When Chicago tried to do it, it did not work. And then last week, O'Shane Zimenez had one of the best defensive plays of the game to get outside from a pinning offensive lineman. And overall, I feel like the Giants' rush defense has been very disciplined so far this season. Although the linebackers are sometimes out of position, and I think there's going to be so much pressure put on these linebackers. And if the Giants have a couple mishaps, just a couple, It could be the difference in the game because Lamar Jackson is that good and he's that dynamic and he's that decisive with the football in his hands. But I'll say this. Rookie center Tyler Lindenbaum from Iowa. Very highly regarded draft pick. picked in the first round. He's about 295 pounds, maybe. Short arms. Where do you think Wink Martindale is going to align Dexter Lawrence? directly over the top of Tyler Linderbaum. Can Linderbaum stop Dexter Lawrence, who is playing the best football we've seen, at six foot four, three 350 pounds, with vines attached to his upper torso? That, I feel like, is one of those matchups we need to spotlight. Because if Linderbaum can handle Dexter Lawrence, that's not great. But Dexter Lawrence can do a ton of damage against Tyler Linderbaum and this offense if he can figure out a way to just run through this 290-pound center and if Baltimore can't find a way to have Kevin Zeitler or Ben Powers they're starting right guard and left guard respectively assist Tyler Linderbaum and I think Wink Martindale knows that and I think Wink Martindale is going to bring guys up to the line of scrimmage to occupy Zeitler to occupy Powers pre-snap and then right at the snap he'll either send them, sometimes he will or he'll bail them and guess what, that means Zeitler and Powers will be late to help Linderbaum and sometimes maybe they would have to go and help another player because the Giants will send like Leonard Williams at the tackle and then blitz somebody else off the edge, forcing the guard and the tackle to go in that direction, allowing Dexter Lawrence to have a one-on-one matchup against Leonard. you're going to see that in this game. The Giants are going to crowd that line of scrimmage and they're going to try to manipulate the protection of these guys. And that's something that Wink Martindale does excellently. And you know who knows that well? Baltimore Ravens. They know that well. Lamar Jackson knows that well, but it's still difficult to, to go up against. It's difficult to know exactly who to block and how to block them. Now, the thing is, it's easier to get home on Baker Mayfield. It's even easier to get home on Justin Fields, who's an excellent athlete. Lamar Jackson, you need to really finish your sacks. You really need to get in there, and you still need to contain, too. We saw against Justin Fields what Wink Martindale did. He did cross-dog blitz, just attack the A-gap with both your linebackers, take Dexter Lawrence, who's originally in a two-eye shade, fade him to contain, drop Aziz Ojolari as the end man on the line of scrimmage off as a quarterback spy. I wouldn't be shocked to see something similar to that. The thing is, Lamar Jackson can do a lot more damage with his arm than Justin Fields can, so you're going to need to be able to cover on the back end. Now, Dory Jackson being back, that will be huge because the Ravens receivers are kind of hurt right now, Even so, I don't want Nick McLeod, Justin Lane out there playing significant snaps. No slight on those guys. Nick McLeod came up with a huge second down PBU in that game. He didn't get his hand on it, but he really was the reason why that pass was incomplete just by his technique and how he harassed Randall Cobb on that play. And Justin Lane had a couple really nice plays at the end of the game. Came down and hit Alan Lazard, forcing an incompletion. Had a really nice stick in the run game as well as one of the last lines of defense. Little plays like that, believe it was on Aaron Jones, can go a long way into you earning playing time. But David Moreau was not listed on the injury report. So it looks like he's going to be back, and honestly, Fabian Moreau has played well. He's played well so far in, in the amount of snaps that he's received. So I'm looking forward to getting him and Adoree Jackson back on the football field in this matchup where you have guys like Demarcus Robinson and Devin DuVernay, James Prochet, Tylen Wallace. That's a winnable matchup, even though the Giants' cornerbacks are injured right now. No Cordell Flott, no Aaron Robinson. Still like the Giants' safety situation, but we know the offensive weapon other than Lamar Jackson that the Giants' defense has to pay attention to, and that's Mark Andrews. And I think in man-covered situations, Wink Martindale might just say, we're going to remove Mark Andrews, whether that be a double-cover type of situation, or we're going to put our best guy, Xavier McKinney, on him to eliminate him and call it a day. Maybe even Julian Love. Depending. I'm sure it will also be recycled a little bit. We saw Xavier McKinney. Wink Martindale used him against Carolina in week two on Christian McCaffrey on some of those man coverage type of situations when McKinney was not blitzing because McKinney has blitzed quite often relative especially to what we saw under the last regime where he – I don't think he ever blitzed. So I think stopping Mark Andrews is going to make things difficult for Lamar Jackson. And if this defense can find a way to really stay disciplined and contain Lamar Jackson – the Giants have a realistic chance to win this game. Again, I picked the Ravens at Big Blue View, but man, I could really see the Giants winning this game and further shocking the world because we saw the how the media covered the New York Giants after that win in London. It was great. Finally starting to get recognition. You need to keep mounting these wins. And the Baltimore Ravens right now might be the best team left on the Giants' schedule that is not in their division. Philadelphia Eagles, who are undefeated right now, they're a scary team to go up against. But the Baltimore Ravens are still a legit team. The Giants have a better record right now. Giants are home. The Giants are dogs. Giants have a chance to win this football game. And I know the coaching staff is going to do everything in their power to position these players well. And I'm sure the Baltimore Ravens are going to try to come in here. They're going to try to stop the play-action bootleg. They're going to focus on Saquon Barkley. They're going to try to eliminate the Giants' ability to run the football and force Daniel Jones to pass in a more traditional manner. And Daniel Jones has risen to the occasion several times this year, and it's something he's not getting that much credit for. But think about it. The Giants went on a 15-play, 91-yard drive with no Saquon Barkley in a high-levered situation against the Green Bay Packers. That was Daniel Jones. It was no Saquon Barkley. It was Daniel Jones. It was Matt Breida. who's Richie James. It was Darius Slayton. So Daniel Jones is showing things that we have not necessarily seen yet. And he's shown some good. He's been a roller coaster since he arrived here in New York. But putting your team on the back in that type of situation, like he did, making clutch throws, converting on third downs, which the Giants' offense has been better at this season, that can go a long way. So I think the Giants have a real shot to win this football game. But so do the Ravens. And I think. It could come down to a turnover being the difference in this game. One bad mistake. This could be another field goal type game where the defenses step up. But we know Lamar Jackson and Saquon Barkley both have home run ability. So both those defenses have to pay attention to that. And hopefully the Ravens really try to pay attention to Saquon Barkley and then neglect the fact that Daniel Jones can beat you around the edge too, just like the last two teams did, specifically the Chicago Bears, which was one of the most horrendous defensive performances I've seen in quite some time. But it should be an interesting game. It should be a fun game. I'm glad it's home. I wish I could go to the game. Everybody be loud, be proud, and cheer on the big blue New York Giants because... They're winning football games, and it's not a farce. It's not a lucky bounce here. It's not defeating Brandon Allen, although Baker Mayfield and Justin Fields are not the best quarterbacks. However, the foundation of success is in the building right now with Joe Shane, with Brian Dable, with Wink Martindale, with Mike Kafka foundation is set, and now they just got to construct and keep building these wins. And you could start mentioning that P word that we talk about at Big Blue View, playoffs, because the NFC is not that strong. The Giants already got four wins right now, and their division is very good with Dallas also 4-1 and, and with the Eagles undefeated. Washington just got a win on Thursday Night Football, but they're not to the caliber of the other three teams in the NFC East. This game is going to test the Giants. It's going to test the Giants. There's a lot of storylines going into this game. Containing a player like Lamar Jackson is not easy because, yeah, Justin Fields, like I said earlier, athletic, nowhere near the quarterback that Lamar Jackson is right now. He could beat you through the air. He's been good against the Blitz, not last week. So I would expect Wink Martindale to, to try to dial up the Blitz a little bit here, try to get pressure, get him uncomfortable, and attempt to get him into some mistakes because I honestly think a turnover here, a turnover there, that could be the difference in this game. It should be a close game and no one thought that we would be saying that heading into week six. But the New York Giants are in that position right now, and that is very exciting. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to Big Blue View Radio. This is the Chris and Nick Show. Please head on over to BigBlueView.com. Check out all of our written content. If you go into the game, be loud, everybody. That's all I got to say. Let's go, New York Giants. Let's try to make this 5-1. and Who would have thought? Like Paul Rudd says, not me, but we're here right now. So let's try to get that done, New York Giants. Take care, everybody, and have a lovely one. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.
0: First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts.